Welcome to this Meetings Today podcast. I'm Tyler Davidson, Vice President and Chief Content Director of Meetings Today. And today we have a very interesting guest, Joan Eisenstadt, Chief Strategist with Eisenstadt Associates and also a blogger for Meetings Today. Um, welcome, Joan. Thanks, Tyler. It's nice to talk with you. You too. Um, and uh, you have really been following the COVID 19 uh, proceedings and actually been uh, participating in, and thank you for representing meetings today in their uh, thrice weekly uh, press briefings. Um, so you really have, and although you're not, of course, a doctor or health professional, you really um, are up to date on uh, where the issue stands right at the moment, correct? Thanks, Tyler. Yeah, and I think that it's interesting. I think that all of us in the industry need to be well-informed because we're all being asked, and, and no matter what position we're in, to advise clients on going forward with meetings, stopping meetings, what to do, um, and how we proceed, um, including on contracts. So I think that it is a time when um, the industry itself needs to pay um, even more attention. They sh we should have been much longer ago when, this, when WHO and CDC started telling us um, if we haven't, we need to do it now. And, um, you know, this is a very wide ranging and developing situation, but let's, uh, let's just start off with today. I, I believe you participated in a WHO press conference today and actually asked a question on behalf of meetings today regarding the meetings industry. I did. So let me, um, let me go back for a second and just tell, tell everybody a couple things. When I started participating, and, and sadly, I really lost track of time because everything is changing, literally, it seems minute by minute. Um, I remember at the, one of the first ones I listened to, and one of the differences today was that in the past, at these briefings, there have been press in the room with the three doctors um, and the moderator. Today, they had no press in the room. We were all virtual. So that was one thing. The second thing was that Dr. Michael Ryan, who is the executive director of WHO, I remember one of the first ones I listened to, he was asked specifically about conventions. And he sort of, he didn't laugh, but he, he sort of, you know how you, when you respond to somebody who's, who asks sort of an obvious question, it's like, well, um, and what he said at that point, so this is probably, it could be three weeks ago, I'm um, he said at that point, he said, just add this to your contingency plan. He said the same way you'd consider food poisoning and, you know, and floods and, and fires, just add this to your contingency plan. As the days progressed with their, with the WHO um, briefings, it got to the, we aren't, we're advising no travel, we're advising no meetings, we're not saying yet don't. Um, and the tone today has been very different. The thing that, um, that I thought was so interesting today was that what Dr. Tedros, who's the, the head of WHO said, um, he said that um, every day, there are more cases every day around the world now than there were at the height of the outbreak in China. And that figure literally jumped off the page at me, um, or, or off the screen, I guess, as I was watching and listening. Um, and so I think that what everybody thought was contained in China um, and that wasn't moving as broadly and to as many countries as it was, has done so. In fact, today I got something in the news that said they now consider um, Europe the epicenter 
Um, it's, it's stopped in China. And as, as a side note, I watched um, a, um, last night a, a science and health reporter for a major newspaper who um, talked about what China did specifically. Um, I mean, went through very step-by-step step how they helped people and took temperatures and um, and quarantined them or didn't quarantine them. And, and the process was fascinating. And it's everything that nobody else did um, except um, the Republic of Korea, South Korea, as we most know it. Um, and so the world wasn't listening um, and wasn't prepared. And so what, what we've seen as they've done these briefings is they've given though the same advice over and over and over, and it was prepare, um, contain and treat. Um, they also have on their website, the eight pillars um, of, of what you should do. And I think everybody should go to the WHO website and really read about it. Um, they also talked about their shipping, um, hundred uh, shipping test kits all over the world. They're, um, I donated, they're raising money to do more of that. This is a very costly enterprise. And I think one of the issues here that, that I've really heard about is that we just don't have the test kits available yet. We, we, we don't have, there are a couple of things. First of all, we don't have the test kits. We don't have the hospital capacity. A colleague who um, is a, a meeting planner for a medical organization posted um, in, a, in social media the number of hospital, um, the hospital capacities now compared to a few years ago, and it's dramatically, it has dramatically dropped. And I think anyone who's living in a rural area um, certainly knows that more than those of us in cities, but even in cities, the capacity isn't great. Um, you know, I, I took notes during this, and one of the a couple of things that I found interesting, um, and they talked about that the deadly mistake is not being aggressive, and so I compare this to what what the industry has talked about. The uh, our industry has, I think, soft pedaled a lot of this, and I get it. I mean, I understand it. We um, hotels need to make money in order to employ people, in order to pay taxes into their communities. And we, and we all depend on those taxes. I get that. At the same time, that if, because we and other countries, the United States and other countries were not aggressive, we now have this incredible spread. Um, and so what they talked about today, again, was preparedness and being ready, um, detect, protect, and treat. Um, and, and we're not, we're not doing it. And so I think that um, I think that as an industry and as a country, among others, uh, and there are still other countries that are even less prepared than the United States, um, th there aren't test kits, there aren't hospitals that can accommodate people. There isn't the ability to isolate um, as much as there used to be. And we really don't know what's going to happen. Um, one of the things that I've said um, in the conversations face-to-face. Um, -face. And um, in fact, I just came back from a face-to-face -face meeting. I kept my commitment. Um, I went, I traveled a very long distance. Um, I put myself I put myself at risk to do what everyone in the industry had been saying you should do. Um, and now those of us who attended are saying we will wait 14 days and we will hope for the best. Um, and so what I think that planners should be asking and hotels should be asking their own, uh, the health departments in their cities and DMOs should absolutely know this information. Number one, what will hotels do the way cruise ships did? 
if you have to, if you've got either um, guests or employees who develop coronavirus and are tested and diagnosed, and if your hotel is is in essence shut down the same way a, a ship would be, how will you um, how will you do that? How will you in essence shelter in place and feed and care for people? The second question to find out is what is the capacity of local hospitals? What will they be able to do? How are they treating people? People are posting stories online. I'm hearing it from colleagues that I'm talking to that people are being turned away from hospitals for um, routine treatment. Um, we're being told don't go to the ER unless it's critical. Um, some people, um, a colleague who um, had what she thought were the symptoms of and she's in our industry, um, symptoms of coronavirus or of a, a flu, um, went to her, um, her doctor and was told to go to the ER. The ER said, we don't have test kits, and she was sent away. And so we're in a very difficult position of not knowing what will happen and what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what, what, what was going on at that conference? It was a uh... You know, it was a, it was the MPI Cascadia, I believe, it in was. Bend, Oregon. Yeah, and what be. were what were people talking about there regarding this? Um, pretty much nothing else but this, and what to do, and how to to manage it, and whether or not they should continue with meetings or not. I know that the organizers of this had big discussions about whether they should have it. I they had a number of cancellations, especially um, because this was for Oregon and Washington State mainly, and so. Um, a number of people from Washington State had to cancel, mainly because they're having um, until, in fact, the day I left is when Washington State put a cap of 250 on the number of people who could gather. However, the the hotels and the other um, other businesses are saying we really can't afford to spend the money for someone to go away right now because our business is so far down. I want to I want to stop for a second though and tell you um, and, and tell everybody who's listening. This was an interesting experience because on my travel, um, first I um, I happened to sit next to someone from um, the airline um, operations team. So we had a conversation about what, what they're talking about. And then because I had very long layovers at an airport, um, I stayed in um, an airport club. And so I want everyone to pay attention to this. This is a big deal. I was surprised. Um, they have a lovely little food bar that that people can eat from. Um, it has a food guard on it. However, um, there was no, there were no hand sanitizers um, at either end of this little area, and there were no notes to use the, to hold onto a napkin to use the utensils. Right. So they're telling us with doorknobs and doorbells and um, elevator buttons to not use your hands on it, and yet utensils, um, and then people eating with their fingers. Um, and and people, this is in a. a a facility where people are coming in and then and then yes. traveling off to all points yes. in the world yes. and having gotten on, on or off a plane and going back on a plane and doing exactly that now happily when i returned and i said it again to them they did put signs up and insisted that people use napkins all yeah. of us need to be aware of stuff like that and at our meetings if you're still going to have meetings um and people will um we need to make sure that there are there are um, things in place like don't pick up utensils that other people are going to use without using a napkin or some other covering. Because um, and and you you know more about this than I do, but this virus can linger on inanimate objects for I mean is it up to fourteen days? Well, it, it 
it's been really interesting. The last thing I read said it could linger for two hours. Um, other things I've read have said 14 days. Um, we uh, here, the, Here's the tough part. The reason it's called the novel coronavirus is that it is brand new. It's they don't know enough about it. The what WHO and, and Dr. Fauci, um, who's with the National Institutes of Health, and it's one of my heroes because he was he was one of the lead people during the AIDS crisis. And um, and so what he, what they're all saying is they don't know. They originally mm-hmm. thought they knew the origin of this. Now because of its spread. They, they are not sure. And so there are people working around the clock around the world um, trying to figure out what this is. One of the weird things is originally they said um, that it was people over a certain age that were more at risk um, or who had certain health conditions. In general, children are not getting it and they don't understand why. But again, we don't know this. It has, it's only, it's, if you think about it, it's only been December, January, February, March, right? So we're, we're starting March. It's really only been not even four months since this became well known and the research had begun on this. Um, and so I think that people have to be aware that we don't know. There's been talk that, you know, and this question is asked of every doctor that I've seen on every um, broadcast or it written up or even WHO has been asked, um, you know, will this stop when the weather's warm? And I remember what Dr. Ryan um, saying that it hadn't stopped in Singapore where it's very hot and humid. So, um, and, and we saw that Tom Hanks and his wife um, um, are now um, have coronavirus or and I have to say much much kudos to him for being public about that well, I mean it's, it's interesting and some yes them and I think the sports figures who have it and I think that what has happened is that people are um, really trying to ensure that they um, that people know that others can get it it's why so many sports events have been um, first it was no audience then it was shut down entirely so we don't know if warm weather is going to change anything. We don't know. And one of the interesting things they said a few briefings ago was that there had been um, some sign in China that the um, that COVID-19 was morphing. So that was there was like a new um, virus. Um, and so what has been said is that they don't know once all the people who've been in quarantine um, and when things get back to sort of normal in China, what will happen? Nobody knows. It's again. Nobody it's knows if it may mutate, which could be a no, whole nother world. No idea. Of, uh, right. Yeah. Nobody knows any of this, and so um, what? You know, there, I think that I today I saw that Exhibitor Live, a big show, in, another big show in Vegas, is postponing. Um, we've seen the number of shows that did. Um, the toughest part has been that meeting planners and groups, um, because. This is not considered force majeure. The industry attorneys are all saying that. What we don't know yet um, is whether the the bans by certain states and countries and cities of saying that so only so many people can meet if that will be considered um, a government action. We, we there's just there is just not enough that we know. Um, two things that um, two two things that I think are important, and one of them was today on the. The broadcast, but oh, and I should I should uh, actually preface by saying it's a March 
uh, 13th as we're talking right now because yeah, this, you're right. the, the, everything is changing so fast. I just want to make sure everyone has a, the proper date stamp on yes. this. Thanks, Tyler, because it is changing. It, 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 well, my guess is by the time we finish recording this, it will be different. Um, one of the things I've considered and what I can't get an answer to is what hotels are doing for their employees. Um, I think that any food servers, and, and, and we know we know that um, in Las Vegas, one particular hotel company has closed all the buffets in all their hotels and a number of restaurants. Now, closing the restaurants is no doubt because um, of the number of be meetings and travelers that are down. Closing the buffets, I think, has much more to do with safety. What we don't know is how housekeepers are being protected. And if you consider um, what they're handling and what they deal with, I'm hoping that hotels will do a lot more for them. Um, the second interesting thing to me, there was a story on PBS NewsHour last week about um, where you live, San Francisco's Chinatown. Not, you don't live in Chinatown, you live in San Francisco, about Chinatown and how business was down 75 to 90%. They interviewed a guest at a hotel who thought that by going to Chinatown, um, he would get COVID-19. And one of the questions asked today that I thought was excellent by someone else was um, about the stigma of, of having corona, of having COVID-19. And Dr. Ryan addressed it. And I, I liked what he said. He said, there's a stigma and an exclusion. And he said, we really need to think about people who are most vulnerable in the population um, about getting this. One of the things I had hoped and I had posted uh, in a few places was that, and I heard this from people at the MPI Cascadia conference, that in San Francisco's Chinatown and Seattle's Chinatown um, and around the country, a, a friend in Toronto said the same, people are not going to Chinese restaurants because they, they fear they can get, um, get COVID-19 by going. What this makes me think of is, is how and I think that they compared it today to also, um, and Dr. Fauci has, the, the misconception about how people could, con, could get AIDS. Um, it isn't from going to Chinatown and eating in a restaurant. It isn't from being around people, uh, around anybody until you know they may have it. And what we learned today was the mayor of Miami um, and other people who were around someone at um, a hotel in Florida um, have in fact tested positive for COVID-19. So, you know, the message has been, if you think you're sick, stay home, you know, yeah. go, go away from people. Um, the, the, the question that I asked today um, was very specifically about um, what, what should be done um, about if people are traveling, if people still go to meetings, and I said, you know, I had just been, I mentioned I had just been to one. If, and I, if we find out that we have the virus, um, should we report it to, let's say, a hotel where we had just stayed or um, a restaurant where we had just eaten? And, and I was very heartened. Dr. Um, Ryan started his comments with, um, the empathy he had and sympathy he had for our industry and how hard we're hit. And it, it made me feel good to know that how aware they are. And he said that the WHO works very closely with the aviation industry, with tourism, with hospitality, and they're talking about this. And then Dr. Maria um, said that, um, you know, the first thing is that you should report it to your local health department um, if you are diagnosed with it. 
and then it can't hurt to let others know um, where you've been, that you were there and that you have been diagnosed um, and, the, and let the people, if you know them, know you, that you were in contact with them, let them know that you have it and at least advise them that, um, that in fact, there may be a chance that they should be tested, they should watch more closely. So, you know, I think that um, it, it is an incredibly tough time for everybody to cancel meetings. Um, and we're, everybody's doing it in stages. Um, and, yeah. and, and that's, it's to protect people. And, and, and let me make, uh, this is, I think, a critical point. It's not necessarily to protect those who may not be as at as greater risk, right? So if you're 35 and incredibly healthy, you may never get this. However, if you get, if you are a carrier of this and you go home and you work with people or you have family members or you have neighbors who are older, um, they may in fact be vulnerable or you may sit next to someone on an airplane who may be vulnerable. And so what WHO and CDC are both recommending is be cautious. Dr. Fauci said um, at least two weeks ago that we should stop flying. Um, and so I ignored that. I took my risk and I'm hoping for the best and I won't know for some time. I will tell you that I'm, I'm taking with me um, hospital grade alcohol wipes and I am, um, because I need a wheelchair at the airport, I'm, before I even get in, I wipe it all down um, and then when I get to the gate, I wipe anything I'm going to touch. When I get on into my seat, I wipe everything, um, including yeah. the air vents. And so um, it's what we've been told to do. If you have to go somewhere, if you're not, um, you have to do all of that in order to um, maintain some safety. And uh, I know I've been talking to uh, lots of meeting planners just in the course of the work that I've done. And... I could almost say without exception, every single one of them I've spoken with has just been greatly impacted by this. And especially ones that maybe work for smaller companies or have their own companies. Um, you know, they said, well, I've just had five meetings cancel. Um, so they're in a, a world of pain right now. And they, maybe a lot of them just financially, um, you know, they don't know where this is going to go for their own personal situations. What are you also talk to, to probably even more meeting planners than I do? What are you hearing from them? Um, every there is nobody that this isn't touching, literally nobody. And I think that it's not just small meeting planning companies among whom I'm included. There are, if you think about this, so right now in DC, and I'm I live right in downtown. My spouse works for. Um, an association, they are teleworking until further, further notice. I've talked to other people, they're teleworking. The, the, think about all the businesses, the restaurants, the carryouts, um, all of the businesses that are not getting any business. Um, and so you think about that, then you think about airports where the concessions may all close because there aren't passengers. Um, you think about, um, I, I honestly, I can't, I started making a mental list of everybody that would be touched by this. Um, I can't think, and again, I go back to the Chinatown example where business is down 75 to 90% in San Francisco. Um, and, and one thing that I think we could do, just to, uh, a side note of the, here's what you can do. 
I think that we, as an industry, we talk a good diversity and inclusion game. What a great time to highlight um, what's safe, you know, do something fun and do something positive for your city or for your hotel. So I think that speakers are being touched by this. They're, you know, they're being canceled. Um, hotels, clearly, we, I think that all meeting planners understand that hotel brands, owners, management companies, everybody's being hit. Um, and, and I think that we all have to cooperate. The, the associations are terrified. I have a client that I'll talk to later today, um, and they cannot, because of timing, really get out of their contract yet, um, that associations could be bankrupt. And if all if, if even 10 to 15% of associations nationwide are bankrupt, um, what will that do overall to the economy and to the hospitality industry since associations make so much of their money um, on their annual meetings? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think that we, I, I, think, I, I think going back to the beginning, I think that we were not, we didn't, there wasn't a strategy, there wasn't a thought. People believed this was only in China and it wasn't going to spread as long as um, everyone there was doing. And I think that what we have to do is strategically, um, even if it's too late, think about what we do going forward, both on how we think about where we hold our meetings, how we hold them, what our demographics are, how we keep people safe. You know, Tyra Warner and I and others have taught risk management for years. Um, and, and Tyra Warner is a, one of the prominent meetings uh, industry focused attorneys, just uh, and, and, for those yes. of you. Yeah, Don't thank you. And, and a professor. And I think that um, there are those of us who have talked about these issues. I think that we need to focus even in, in a greater way. We, you know, we did after 9-11, um, the interest went up in contingency planning and then it came down. And then we had um, Hurricane Katrina, the interest went up and it came down. Um, and then we had all the subsequent hurricanes, the interest goes up and it goes down. Um, this pandemic, um, Representative Tom Cole from Oklahoma, um, I, if somebody wants to search it, um, I think I, I tweeted it um, for meetings today. He predicted this and talked about it um, at least four years ago. And mm -hmm. it has been believed that there will be more of these. So let's not wait again. Let's put stuff in place now. Let's have the conversations. Let's deal with the now, but also look at the strategy for the future. Well, great. Well, thank you, Joan, for uh for this from uh, meetings today's standpoint for covering this for us and then also just bringing all this great uh, information to both our industry and uh, just the public in general. So many great uh, tips and uh, insights you brought today. So thank you for joining us. Thanks, Tyler. I appreciate your doing this. And thank you for joining us for this Meetings Today podcast. Head on over to meetingstoday.com under our podcast section and you'll see a variety of other podcasts with industry thought leaders on all sorts of subjects that are important to the meetings and events industry. Have a great rest of the day.